morning. Good morning, everybody. See, uh, this is what, what, one of the fun things for me here at North Star Church is that uh, usually during this service, I'm back in the back with the kids, and I am Ranger Jeff from uh, uh, about uh, the time that we start this service for the first 30 or 40 minutes. And so I always in- greet the boys and girls when they come in. I say, good morning, boys and girls. And they say, good morning, Ranger Jeff. Yeah, Okay. <clears throat> Y'all don't have to do that part or anything. I just thought you might be interested in knowing. Um, I'm Jeff Flynn, and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad to be with you guys and gals this morning. Um, before we get started, there's a few things that I want you to uh, know about. One, uh, I want to welcome you here to, to North Star, and we're just regular people, and uh, we each struggle with our, our own kind of issues, and so... Uh, we want this to be a place where you can feel welcome and uh, that you can experience God's grace and love. And North Star Church, everybody's welcome. That means everybody's welcome. It doesn't matter who you are. And nobody is perfect and... That's right. Anything is possible. With God, anything is possible. And so uh, that's what I, I want to see happen here today. I want to see what God knows that is possible that you may think is impossible happen here uh, today. A couple of things I just want to make you aware of. Uh, you saw Troy uh, present the Three Circles training. We've got that uh, coming up next Sunday at both of our campuses at 1 p.m. It is a great tool that you can use to be able to share your faith. Very easy. It's an app you can download and put on your phone. You can use the little cards. You can draw it on a napkin. So uh, come next week and, and learn more about how you can share your faith wherever you go. Um, the next thing is um, on October the 14th at 10, uh, we're going to be canvassing at both campuses. Uh, and this is part of our 121 uh, plan is to be able to get out there and encounter the folks that are in our neighborhoods around the church and um, uh, meet our meet folks so that we can build relationships so that we can grow disciples. All right, I want to share with you uh, a story that fits with. I love that. Did you love that video? Isn't that a great video, man? I tell you, every time I see that little girl jump off the end of that and into the water, I want to yell, freedom! Yeah, y'all must not have seen that movie either, okay? If you ever listen to Dave Ramsey, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about a journey toward peace, and I'm giving you that acrostic, okay? P-E-A-C-E. Those are the words, I think that's how you spell it, P-E-A, yeah, P-E-A-C-E. And we're going to look at a journey toward peace in the life of a man uh, in the book of Mark, the fifth chapter. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me, and I want to share with you this story of a man from Gadaria or, um, uh, or, Ger- or, or Gerasene, um, and we'll just call him Gad because we don't really know his name. But beginning in the first verse, he says, uh, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Uh, When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. 
Um, but he tore the chains apart and he broke the irons on, on his feet and no one was strong enough to subdue him. And night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out, he'd cut himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirits. And then Jesus asked him, what's your name? And replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. And there was a large herd of pigs that was feeding on a nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and they went into the pigs. And the herd of about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and they were drowned. And those attending the pigs ran off and reported this into the town countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in, in his right mind and, and they were really afraid. And those who had sent it told the people what had happened and the demon-possessed man and they told uh, about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, and Jesus did not let him. But he said, I want you to go home to your family, and I want you to tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away, and he began to tell uh, all in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And the people were amazed. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? God, we come before you this morning. I thank you that you are a God of healing, that you are a God of grace, that you're a God of mercy, that you take us at our very lowest point and that your desire is to bring, uh, to set us free, uh, to unbind us from the chains that, that hold us captive so that we can live free uh, and with the purpose that you made us for. God, I pray this morning that you would just use me however you want, that you would speak uh, directly to the very needs of folks that are here today so that they can experience the journey of peace and freedom. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, in beginning this story, in order to be able to understand uh, this uh, man, we'll call him Gad, uh, Gad's journey toward peace, then you have to start in the very beginning with where he is instead of at the very end where he gets to. See, that's the way it is. You know, the, the, the longest journey begins with the first step. So you can't get somewhere unless you, first of all, are able to be able to identify and claim where you are right now. So let's take a look at w where he is and what's going on in his life. Uh, one of the things that's really important to understand is where he's from. Uh, this area called Decapolis, uh, that included Gadaria and the Gerasenes. Uh, th this was a region that was across the lake of uh, 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 the lake, the body of water, the Sea of Galilee. Thank you. Uh, one of those senior moments. Um, I've fallen down and I can't get up. Uh, anyway, uh, so... 
it was across the, the lake. And this was not a Jewish area. This was a pagan area. Uh, and you can probably guess that because of all the pigs and stuff. Uh, the Jewish folks didn't have a lot of pigs around them, you know. That was just inappropriate for those folks. It, it, and so here this guy is. He's living among the tombs. He's living in a pagan area. Uh, he's surrounded by, um, you know, the, the local burial spots and pig farmers. So that gives you a context. But that's just where he lived. Or maybe where he didn't live. Because the real issues that this man was struggling with was he had a lot of pain in his life. I mean, he, he was eat up with it. He was, he was at the very bottom of society. He'd gotten to the point where he was so distraught that people didn't know what to do with him anymore. He no longer lived in the city among and around other folks. He lived by himself. And the only place that he could really find to live that nobody would bother him or, or, no, or, or he wouldn't bother anybody else uh, was if he lived around the tombs. And so that's, that's where he lived. And it, he was in such pain, uh, he didn't know what he was doing. He was out of his mind. He'd rip his clothes off and he'd, he'd run around the area and he would be up all night and up all day and he would, he would scream aloud at night and cry out for help. And he would, the only comfort that this man could begin to find in his life was by cutting himself. He would take rocks and he would cut himself. Now this is a, a behavior that most of us may not really be able to understand. How is it that causing pain would actually bring about peace? And it doesn't. All it does is it brings about a distraction. What you're doing is taking an inside pain that you cannot deal with and putting it externally. And when you make that cut for a moment, you focus on that pain instead of the pain that's inside. And so it doesn't make anything change and it doesn't make anything better. It doesn't make it go away. It's just one of the only ways that the man knew that he could cope or at least try to cope. This man was hurting, and he had no hope of, of getting better. I mean, they, the, the folks around him had tried to do everything that they knew to do. You know, they'd even dress him up and, and chain him down so that he wouldn't run around naked through the town. I'm sure that was embarrassing to everybody. And, and, and that they figured if they could chain him up, then he wouldn't cut himself, and he wouldn't be hurting and all of that. And it just got to the point where he was... He was so beside himself that he couldn't, they couldn't even hold him with chains. So here you have a man that is at the absolute rock bottom of his life and he doesn't see any hope. But here's, here's the good news in this story. I don't care where we are in our life. I don't care if we are at the very bottom and we, we, we are barely able to look up and we can't see any hope. Here's the good news and here's the, the, the P word. <laughs> This man had no idea that Jesus was pursuing him. See, God, he pursues us. We are pursued by a God who loves us, who knows exactly where we are, who knows exactly what our life is like, who knows exactly what our pain is like, who knows that we are broken and has prepared a way because of his grace and mercy to bring about healing and peace, and he is pursuing us, even when we don't pursue him. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven said it this way, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, 
plans to prosper you and to not harm you so that you can have a future and a hope. 1 John 4, 9 says, we love him because he first loved us. In order to see that in this passage, you have to look at the fourth chapter. <clears throat> the very end of the fourth chapter, we see that Jesus uh, had invited the disciples in verse 35. He, he had invited the disciples uh, to join him, and he says to them, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they all get in the boat and they begin this journey. Jesus knew exactly where he was going and he knew why he was going there. Now this wasn't a place that Jewish folks normally went to. Remember, it's a pagan land. They got pigs. You know, it's not where a good Jewish boy would go. And, but Jesus says to the disciples, look, I'm not going to tell you why we're going over there. It really doesn't matter and you wouldn't believe it anyway. But we're going over to the other side of the lake because Jesus knew Gad was over there and he was a hurting, hurting hurting man. He had heard his prayers. And God had called him to minister to this man. So they get in the boat and they begin to sail across the lake and a huge storm comes up and Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat because he had already told them, look, we're going to the other side of the lake. It doesn't really matter what happens. We're getting to the other side of the lake. Remember, I'm God. And they forgot all of that evidently. You know, he was asleep in the back of the boat and they were freaking out because the wind and the waves and he, and he had to remind them, I'm God. So he calmed the winds and the waves and the biggest problem he had calming down was the disciples. And he calmed them down and they got to the other side. See, he was pursuing this man before this man even knew that Jesus was on the way. Hey, that's the hope I want to share with you this morning. I don't know where you are. You may not be in near the shape that this man is, but I can tell you one thing. One thing that we all have in common is that we're broken people. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There isn't one of us that's righteous, not a single one of us. We're all tainted by sin. We're all tainted by brokenness. Every one of us... Um, Try to be God and do our own thing and control our own lives, and it doesn't work. And because of that, we reap our own whirlwind. So, this man was being pursued by Jesus. And he knew that he was hurting, but what he didn't know was that the answer was in Jesus. He knew he was powerless but he didn't know that there was an answer to his powerlessness. The first step in, our, in, in recovery is being able to understand that we're powerless to be able to just fix ourselves. We're powerless to bring about healing in our life. We're, we don't have the strength and ability. If we did, we would have done it a long time ago. And if this man could have fixed himself, he would have fixed himself, but he couldn't. And guess what? Nobody else around him, everybody else knew what they thought they knew about what would fix this man. They couldn't fix him either. And guess what? Nobody else can fix you. Your mama, your daddy, your Aunt Susie, your Uncle Rufus, nobody can fix you. And what we struggle with a lot of times is the fact that we're not God. We, we, we can't do that. And, and we need God to be able to bring about healing in our lives. And this man did not know that he needed that until 
Jesus encountered him. See, God encounters us where we are. This man didn't have to clean up in order to be able to meet Jesus. Jesus came and met him in a place that he wasn't supposed to go, which he typically did anyway. He didn't really steer away from places that good, good Jewish boys didn't go to. You know, he just said, hop in the boat, guys. We're going there anyway. And they did. They'd set sail, and next thing you know, they're in the land of pigs. And uh, uh, I'm sure they were freaking out about that too. Uh, but Jesus said, there, there's, a, there's a man that's broken over here, and it doesn't really matter where it is. I'm getting to him. This, uh, Jesus met him in his pain. In Mark 5, 5 in this, it says, Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. See, cutting is not a, a new way of people trying to be able to cope with pain. Psalm 6, 6 says this. This is David talking. And, and in the Living Bible, it says, I am worn out with pain. Every night, my pillow is wet with tears. This man was exhausted. He was insane. He had no idea what he needed to do. So, but he did do this. When he saw Jesus get out of the boat, then the man did this in response. He took a step toward Jesus. That's all he did. He took the first step away from where he was and toward Jesus you cannot heal a wound by saying it's not there. None of us can. I love that. That's out of uh, the Living Bible in Jeremiah 6.14. You cannot heal a wound by saying it's not there. And in Mark 5 and 6, when this man saw Jesus, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of Jesus. And then he asked him, what do you want with me, Jesus? He knew he was the son of God. He, he, he knew inside of him who he was. The demons knew. He says, what do you want with me? How come you're here to see me? I've heard stories about you. What do you want with me? Son of the most high God, most high God swear to God that you won't torture me. You won't hear me. Isn't that the crazy way that we think about God? We're living broken lives and, and sinful lives. You may be having an affair on your spouse. You may be stuck in an addiction. Uh, you, you may be really struggling to be able to be honest with other people and, and tell the truth, and you live in lies. You may be working really hard to protect an image that you think everybody needs to be able to see because if they really knew who you were, they wouldn't be able to, to take who you really are. And the reality is it's not what they think, it's what you think. No, and, and, and we're hurting. We're filled with pain, just like this man. And, and the last thing that we think can bring about healing is a lot of times meeting Jesus. Because if I meet Jesus, then i got to face up to what's really real. And God's just going to be mad at me too. He, he can't really love me. Let me tell you, if a Jewish Savior could get in a boat and go all the way across the lake enduring a life-threatening storm to get out on a piece of land that everybody would say would contaminate him to meet a man that folks had written off and said was hopeless. He can meet you and me 
where we are and bring about healing and hope. You know, the truth is a lot of times, uh, just like with this man, it's not the light that makes us change, it's the pain that makes us change. It's the heat. <laughs> when our pain gets to search such a level inside of us, then we're willing to be able to face even our greatest fear. And for this man, it was facing Jesus. But it's usually not until our pain gets so bad that we're willing to then take that first step and surrender. A. In this story, God addressed the real need of this man. You see, everybody in town had tried to help him and fix him. You know, they put clothes on him. Uh, they probably brought him biscuits and gravy. And when that didn't work, you know, being nice and stuff, uh, they couldn't have him running through the town naked anymore, you know. And so they, they figured they had to do something. So, I mean, he was just going nuts. And, and they basically put him in a straitjacket made out of chains. They figured at least they could make it to where he wouldn't be, to where he could hurt himself or try to hurt somebody else. And the man was so empowered by the evil that had completely taken over his life, not even change could hold him. Nobody could fix this man. But nobody had addressed the real issues. See, they looked at the dude and they said, okay, you know, oh, Gad, he's crazy. That's their professional opinion. Gad is nuts. We don't know how to help him. And uh, this guy cuts himself. He stays up all hours of the night yelling and screaming. He doesn't sleep. He rips his clothes off. He, he, you know, and just does things that make absolutely no sense at all. This dude is messed up. So let's try to fix the externals and maybe that'll fix him. But So they put clothes on him, chains on him, all that kind of stuff, and nothing fixed anything. And that was because they didn't address the real issue. And so when Jesus stepped off the boat and the man took a step toward Jesus, Jesus immediately recognized what the problem was. At the heart of the problem for every one of us is the fact that we have a spiritual disease. We're infected with it. It's part of who we are. And that infection is called sin. And it shows up in all kinds of different ways in our lives. And it creates all the pain that there is in our life. His symptoms were cutting, living alone, running around naked, um, breaking things and hurting himself. He'd been run over by evil, and evil had absolutely taken over his life. And Jesus spoke directly to this, the problem of the evil in him. He didn't reform him, he healed him. Now, I don't know what is your hurt, but I can tell you this every one of us are broken. Have you ever done things, you may not see yourself in this picture because I mean this man's pretty extreme you know he was being attacked by demons and that was causing him to act all kinds of ways but let me ask you this have you ever stayed up longer than you know you're supposed to have you ever eaten more calories 
then you know you absolutely should eat, you know? Have you ever said things to people that you know you shouldn't be saying, you know? Have you ever thought things about folks that you know you shouldn't be thinking? If you can answer yes to any of these things, welcome to the human race of broken, sinful people, and sin is destructive. I don't care what it is, it's destructive and ultimately deadly in our lives. We're all broke, folks. And Jesus speaks directly at that problem that we have, and he calls it what it is, and it's sin. Nobody can fix it but him. So what are your demons this morning? What are the things that you hide from? What are the things that drive your behavior, that drives everybody else nuts? Is it the sin of things that you've done in your past that you really feel badly about, that you don't you want to run from? You want to bury? You don't want anybody to know? You, you want to protect your image so that you look really good to folks so that everybody thinks things are cool in your life, whether they are or not? What is it? Jesus confronts all of those things, and he wants to bring about healing in you. And he did that with this man. He spoke to the demons and he sent them into the pigs. Boy, that really missed a ticked a bunch of people off. They just lost their entire herd over the side of the cliff. All they could think about was, we'd rather have the pigs than the man. And the man was clothed and he was in his right mind. And then the last thing is, is he, God encourages us to share what you and I have been given in Jesus. He encouraged this man to maintain his serenity by sharing his story. If you notice, there's Dallas standing right here next to me. Dallas is my brother from another mother, and we are in Celebrate Recovery together. And I, I wanted Dallas to come, and I wanted him to share with you his story about his journey toward peace. Welcome, Dallas. So we started out, Dallas, and I shared with him the story of Gad and where he was and the brokenness that there was in his life. So let's start there with you. He was living in the pits. Tell us about how you got there. Uh, like I said earlier, it's not much difference that I went naked, so uh, everything. Amen. I was about to say, we asleep? I'm going to pull a Troy out. Yeah. Except I wasn't naked out there. But, <laughs> um, in my life, uh, as being a, a drug, drug addict and alcoholic, um, I, I didn't grow up that way. Um, I grew up in church. Uh, in church, every time the doors were open, raised that way. Uh, my father's a pastor. Uh, just in the church, every time the doors were open. Um, and then came a time in my life where, uh, when I was about 18, uh, I became addicted to drugs, and uh, it completely consumed my life. Uh, drugs and alcohol were um, just who I was at that time, uh, even though I didn't let everybody know that. Um, but then um, it came to a point where I, I knew I had a problem, and I couldn't, I couldn't change it. I remember I'd lay in bed at night, every night, God, take this. Take this from me, God. 
and I'd wake up and I'd use every morning. Uh, the whole time, nothing changed in my life. You know, I'd still come to church and, and put on like everything was okay. And, uh, time went on and ended up getting married. And me and my wife had been to, together for 10 years at the time. And, uh, you know, I hid it from her for all these years. But it got to a point after we got married, my, my addiction uh, completely tore my marriage apart. It made me... Uh, a mean person, somebody that I'm, I'm just not. Uh, I became a very verbally and mentally abusive husband on a daily basis. We got to where all we'd do when I would come home is we would argue and we would fight. Uh, and, and divorce was just talked about on a weekly basis. We were both tired and just completely drained. Our marriage had, had nothing left just completely because of my selfishness uh, and my addiction running my life. Um, and there was nothing that I... I could see getting better in our relationship by that point because of my addiction. So what was your bottom point? Um, my wife would always tell me, if you get arrested, you know, that's it. Uh, it came to a point where she knew uh, some stuff that was going on in my life, but she didn't know fully what was going on. Uh, so there was one night it was a Sunday just like any other Sunday me and my wife were greeting at the front door at church um, that evening I left and, and went hunting with my father-in-law and brother-in-law when I came home that night uh, ended up getting pulled over and get arrested uh, I was arrested on multiple charges and conspiracy distributed narcotics uh, in Lee and Etiwamba County and uh, God stripped me naked that night uh, there was nothing that that I had tried to hide for all these years that wouldn't brought to light at this very moment. Uh, in one instance, everything I tried to hide for so long was brought to light. And uh, now that um, everybody knows I'm not just the, the guy at the front door at church on Sunday, that, that I'm a drug addict, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an abusive husband. Um, and God showed that. Uh, but it wasn't until uh, I got arrested and was in a holding tank for two weeks and uh, my family was done with me. They begged my wife to, you know, just divorce him. We'll pay for your lawyer. Whatever you need, just leave him. You know, whatever you need, we will be there to support you. It was about day three uh, where God started to see me where I was. He encountered me where I was at. And I was at my bottom. You know, they say that God cannot, once you get to the bottom where all you can do is look up and see God. That's where I was at at that moment. Uh, and about day three, I came, and they came and said, well, Dallas, you got a visitor. So they shackled my hands and my feet and took me up front, and I'm waiting to see my wife the whole time. And uh, I sat down, and the door was opening about that time. Brother Terry walks in. I'm like, anybody else but my pastor, right? Okay. Uh, I know you'd rather have seen your wife. Anybody, anybody, any of you I would have been fine with, uh, not my preacher, Okay. Uh, I'm not going to be at church Sunday, <laughs> if that's what you're asking. Um, so uh, he ended up just praying for me and told me that I need to start thinking about myself. Uh, the next day, uh, I saw God's love in a true and very real way. Uh, and it, it, it came in the form of my intervention, which came in a letter because Sheriff Jim Johnson would not let any of my family come see me because they knew they would have killed me, okay? So I get this letter, 
And in this letter, it says, just a small part, says, as of Sunday night, everything has changed. We now realize how far your addiction you are and how severe your addiction is. You're almost at the point of no return. Um, it is sickening to see this happening to someone we all love. Our hearts have been ripped out, shredded, and put back in still broken. These pieces will never fit back together the same way again. And the first step of recovery is admitting. Starting right now, you need to admit that you have a big problem. The drugs, the alcohol, the drug dealing, allowing drug deals to be made at our house. All your lies, all your excuses, all your deception is over. Your life as you know it is over if you ever want to be a part of my life or your family's life ever again. So when that happened and you got that letter, then what? It was then in that, that 10 by 10 jail cell where uh, it was just me and God. Uh, no bed, no blanket. Uh, I was going through withdrawals. I was at the, the worst part of my life that I'd ever been. I was broken. There was nothing I could do. I couldn't manipulate any situation to get out of it. I was there. Uh, it was then where I hit my knees. And I remember when I got that, that letter, I laid in there and I cried like a baby. Um, and praying to God like how did I get myself into it and uh, tried to look for reasons and it was like I was sitting in a room with four mirrors around and the only answer uh, of how I got there was me uh, my selfishness and my my self-willed self is what got me into that situation so from that point on uh, a couple weeks went by and I ended up getting to go to treatment and spent three long months in treatment and it was there where I began to work on myself. The whole time, my whole family had pitched in. My wife was the only provider of our, our household by that point. We're almost losing our house. I'd lost my job, my car, everything. And my family pulled together just to keep our house while, while I was in rehab, just where I could get some help. And my wife always said, though, that if there was ever a time I got arrested, that was it. Uh, and, uh, and she had every right to. Uh, but in that moment where all of them were telling you know divorce him leave him uh, she 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 said that I made a vow to God and my husband through good and the bad and I'm not going to leave him until he gets some help Amen So then you encountered God's grace in Him pursuing you in the form of your wife and reminded you that even before you got to that point, He was coming for you to set you free. And so then what happened? From that time on, I came home and not knowing what the future was. Um, started to rebuild my marriage day by day but the first night out uh, I came to celebrate recovery and uh, here at North Star and it's a Christ Center 12 step program for anything because recovery is for everybody recovery is not just for somebody like me that has a drug or alcohol problem it's for anything the list goes on Jeff says it a lot with everyday life how many people struggle with everyday life sometimes amen amen okay no 
everybody, okay? So uh, it was at that point where I started to come and my wife and I started working steps that week um, because the drugs and the alcohol was gone, but Dallas was still a messed up individual. Uh, so I began to work the steps and it, the promises started to come true in my life where everything started to rebuild. It didn't happen overnight, but it was day by day. Uh, so I was fully involved in. I, was, I dove in head first. When I saw what God was doing in my life, I was, I was on fire for God, and there was nothing that I wouldn't do for my recovery because it was giving it back ten times fold in my life. Uh, so from that point, uh, it's been I've been clean for two years, eight months, some odd days now. Uh, but yeah. Amen. Since since that day. Uh, where I come home, um, uh, not knowing if I had a marriage, n- no job, no relationship with family, anything. Uh, God has blessed me in so many ways, and uh, now I can I can tell you uh, I have a a life that I would have never ex- saw for myself. Uh, my relationships with my family is better. Uh, I'm a better employer. I'm a better brother. I'm a better son, uh, and my relationship with my wife is better than it I ever dreamed it could be uh, and even through the struggles that we've had since I've been clean because it's not always a uh, bed of roses uh, I mean we've had you know death uh, numerous miscarriages um, it's, it hadn't been easy uh, but to this day I'm here to tell you that uh, if you could keep pursuing God that uh, he will keep pursuing you and uh, he's blessed me in so many ways. Now my relationship's better than it ever has. And we were just blessed with a beautiful little girl. <laughs> yeah, Minnie. So now I'm able to go and uh, use the pain that I went through and uh, to show God's grace and mercy to others. I get to go to other treatment facilities and, and, and talk to them and tell them about what God has done in my life and now I get to, to work my recovery with some of these awesome people in our church and, um, and, the, and now I'm a part of jail ministry so I get to go back to the same place every month that, that I was broken at at my bottom and I get to see that room that I sat in when I was at my lowest point in my life when I received that letter uh, and I get to tell them guys that you know you might think this is the bottom, but it's far from it. Uh, this was just the beginning for me. Uh, as long as you continue to trust and put your faith in God, anything is possible. Amen. Amen. Look, you, you may not be in the place that Gad was. You may not be in the place that Dallas was. But I can tell you, if you're a human being, you're in a place that needs healing. And the good news is that Jesus pursues you just like he pursued Gad, just like he pursued Dallas, just like he pursued me. And his desire is to set you free. But the first step is that you have to quit running from the pain. You have to quit running from the pain. We've got to turn around and face the truth because the truth will set you free. And Jesus said, I am the way 
and I am the truth, and I am the life. But you have to quit running. And it starts today. My prayer for you is that it doesn't have to get to that painful a bottom like Gad experienced or Dallas experienced in order for you to turn around and say, there's healing for me and I surrender. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to just take that first step and surrender. To throw up your hands and say, God, I can't. I can't fix this. I have to face where I am and what it feels like and I don't want to. I'm afraid to. And Him look at you and say, I love you. And I will do what you cannot do if you will just surrender. When I was in high school, I was sexually abused by one of my teachers. One of the most humiliating things and painful things that have ever happened in my life. And as a preacher who has everything together, the last thing I've wanted anybody to know is the shame and the pain that came in that affair. But I'm here to tell it for one reason and one reason alone. And that's because there is hope. There's hope in Jesus. He can take the most broken spot in your life and He can bring healings and He can turn around and use the very thing that has hurt you the most that you did not ask for to be able to help somebody else. But it starts the first step with facing what it is. So I want to pray for you this morning. And if you're here and, and, and you realize that you're broken and you need help and you've tried to fix things or make things look better and, and you just haven't been able to, uh, let me encourage you to just Share your heart with God. Just say, God, I'm broken. My life is hurt. Lord, and I, I bring all of those hurts, the habits that are ruining my life, the hang-ups that have left me absolutely miserable that I don't know how to be able to deal with the past and everything that has gone in between and before. God, I, I bring that to you. And I know that you love me. I know that you can forgive me. And I ask you to take my pain, forgive my sin, and help me to start a brand new journey toward peace in you today. I trust you to do what I can't do for myself. If that's your prayer today, we want to know and Dallas and I and uh, Pat and uh, several of the others that are part of Celebrate Recovery, all of our pastors, T, we'll be in the back. And we're here for you. We just want you to take us to uh, aside and let us know what's happening with you and 
how we can pray for you and how we can walk with you. And if you want to start a process of recovering, you can't do it alone, I promise you. You can join us here on Monday night. Meet a bunch of other folks that are broke just like you and are discovering healing in Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's addiction or anything else. I'm going to ask you to stand and I want to pray over you this morning as our band comes and leads us in worship. God's Spirit is wanting to speak to you. He's wanting to set you free. He's not convicting you because He's mad. He's convicting you because He loves you. And He will empower you to take that very first step. During each of our meetings, we offer what is a blue chip. It's symbolic of taking a first step. It doesn't, you don't take the blue chip necessarily because you're willing to end everything and you're going to make everything perfect. You take the, the first step because you realize that you need help. And all you may have is just a desire to get it. Father, I just pray today over all the men and women that are here, we are bound together in the brokenness that comes in the fact that we are sinful people. We've been hurt by others. We've hurt ourselves. We've hurt other people. And all of that has impacted us in such a way as that it leaves us broken and hurting. And Lord Jesus, I pray this morning for everyone that is here that you would bring about healing that only you can bring about, that you would give us the courage to take the very first step in facing the reality of who we are and who you are. In Jesus' name.